ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. So Baxter Holmes, where, oh, where should we start? Well, let's start in the winter of 2005 with a gentleman named R.J. Caswell at Charlotte Christian High School in North Carolina. R.J. Caswell is the new varsity coach. He's in his early 30s. He's known for wearing a bow tie to school every day. But he's got a problem. He's taking over a team that has been decimated by graduation. It's got five freshmen, and he needs some bodies. So he walks up to, between classes, a skinny 17-year-old senior named Steph Curry. And he goes up to Steph because Steph had played for the team during his freshman and sophomore season. And he says, Steph, would you play for us? And Steph says, yeah, absolutely. And very quickly, Steph becomes the team's best player, wins them a conference tournament, mentors younger players, is passing down wisdom from a sport that he picked up many years ago. Caswell's watching him play and thinks, man, if this guy keeps working, he's going to go on to even better success beyond high school. And one area that he notes where Steph shows promise in particular is from long distance. And the rest is basketball history, right Baxter? You would think so, but I'm actually talking about golf here. Last year, this trend had kind of started to come onto my radar in part because of a player, you know, having mentioned it to me about the concept of other three-point shooters, not just Steph, but some of the game's greatest, really excelling on the golf course. You know, I was curious about these parallels and why that this is. Mm. So I decided it was time to get to the bottom of this. It's not exactly a hot take that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the greatest shooting backcourt ever in the NBA. And today, their shot-making ability of a different kind will be on display as they go head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in a nationally televised charity golf event. But when it comes to sharpshooters hitting the links, the Splash Brothers are just the tip of the iceberg. Baxter Holmes spent months speaking to some of the best three-point shooters in NBA history. Now, he's here to tell us why so many can't quit that little white ball. Why they're so well-suited to the sport and whether any might attempt to launch a new career on the golf course. I'm Jeremy Schapp. It's Thursday, June 29th. This is ESPN Daily. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. 
Baxter, you mentioned that a conversation with someone in particular kind of put this idea, this unifying theory about shooting in golf on your radar. How did it happen? Yeah, so I was talking to Andre Guadalla of the Warriors last year about the concept, actually, for a story that we had, had published earlier in, the, in this postseason about how golf was kind of an escape for Steph Curry and how there was all these instances where he would, maybe after a tough game or, or whatever the case may be, go to the golf course, recharge, even doing it on the road, even during it during the finals, and that there have been a number of instances where he'd come back and had monster games. And at some point during this long interview, and Andre is a very serious golfer, he just said, you know, it's interesting. I've noticed there are so many three-point shooters who really excel at golf. And he paused, he was like, I don't know why that is. But he said, I've, I've noticed it more and more over the years. And then he was like, you know, there's guys like Steph, obviously, but there's JJ Redick, there's Ray Allen, there's Kyle Korver, there's J.R. Smith. I'm not really sure what's behind <laughs> this trend. And, you know, for me, that was immediately music to my ears. And so from then on, it was just a matter of like trying to talk to all the right people, ask the right questions and figure out uh, what was behind it. And it's interesting. I think for a lot of people, Baxter, when they think of the NBA and golf, they either think of Charles Barkley flailing away on the course. <laughs> I got a problem with my swing. I developed uh, the yips, a nervous twitch. Yeah. And I went to being a good player, and now I got, a ner I'm, I got problems. <laughs> or Michael Jordan, who, you know, there was that talk when he was at the peak of his basketball powers that he was a good enough golfer to give it a go as a pro. To me... It is the hardest game to play. Absolutely. In golf, it's like playing in a mirror and you're battling yourself consistently to try to get perfection. Every swing, every putt. Those are kind of the two diametric opposites of the NBA golf experience in a lot of people's minds. But what you're saying is now it's an infestation. Golf is there in a way that we haven't seen before with the best players in the, on the planet in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. In recent years, though, there has been this, this really uh, steep trajectory of incredible three-point shooters who have become kind of dual-sport athletes in a way. The most hmm. obvious example is Steph, who started playing and was introduced to the game really young uh, from his father, uh, Del Curry. But, you know, some of the guys that I have mentioned were seeing them pop up at celebrity tournaments. You know, J.R. Smith, after he retired from the NBA, he went to North Carolina A&T and enrolled in their golf program as, as a collegiate athlete. You know, like it has become a really big part, mm. but of a certain kind of click within the NBA. And it is these elite shooters that we're talking about. And it's not just the guys who are part of this, right? No. Uh, so next week in the John Deere Pro-Am, Caitlin Clark from Iowa, the unbelievable three-point shooter that she is, and apparently a very big golfer, is going to be playing in it. And watching her throughout her college career has been remarkable. The distances that she shoots from, the, the fearlessness, the creativity on her shots, not surprising at all that she is a part of this trend. And again, it's not just male three-point shooters. It's amazing <laughs> three-point shooters that, that, are, that are doing so well on the golf course. One of the guys you focused on, Baxter, was J.J. Redick, our colleague here at ESPN, a top 20 all-time three-point shooter. 
What did he have to say about the way that golf can almost take over your life? It was funny because I had asked him uh, about this, this you know story I was working on. And he called me and he had just left the golf course. And he said, it's so funny that you wanted to talk about this right now because I'm just leaving the golf course. The weather was terrible. It was cold. It was windy. I'm out here walking the course, carrying my own bag, you know, playing 18 holes. I'm leaving. And all I'm thinking about is like the architecture of the course and really trying to understand, you know, why did they put a bunker on this hole? Like, it doesn't really make sense. It should have been over here on the fairway and, and whatnot. And as he was talking, he was like, I realize how crazy this sounds. Like, I understand that it really doesn't make sense that this has consumed my life in this way. But he said uh, that it has become the number two obsession in his life behind his family. And look, certainly golf can pull people in, right? It's an incredibly challenging sport. But yeah, JJ talked at length about the ways that golf is kind of, it has him in his clutches, so to speak, you know, in the same way that that all the hours that he would spend practicing, you know, all kinds of different shots on the, on the basketball court, now transitioning over to having that same feeling for practicing an array of different shots on the golf course. We're not just talking about these guys happen to play golf. We're talking about the greatest three-point shooters of all time, many of whom you spoke to about this subject. And it's the way that the skills they had on the basketball court correspond to the skills they have on the golf course. And if this were some kind of Venn diagram, if, if, if you could demonstrate for us how those skills overlap, what would it look like? Yeah, well, I'm going to quote Kyle Korver here. I mean, he said it better than I could, as did some of the other players. But he said, "What's he number five all time three point shots made?" Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I have a, I have some kind of note here, but like that, that five of the top twenty three point shooters of all time, including two of the top three, are the players that we're talking about. So these aren't guys who are just like you know, right. oh, they're pretty. You know, you couldn't leave them open from three point range. These were absolute elite sharpshooters who used to light up teams throughout their career and and set all kinds of records. Um, but Kyle Korver, one of the greatest to ever do it, certainly he said, quote, there's a lot of similarities to shooting and playing golf. Golf isn't just striking the ball. Mm. Basketball is not just pushing this thing off my hand. Golf is a full body thing. Shooting is a full body thing. And it's learning how to connect your energy and your angles with tempo. And J.R. Smith, who I spoke to as well, said so much of it is feel, touch, muscle memory, the ability to continuously repeat that motion, that swing. And from different spots, different angles, shots, there's a rhythm, a sort of motion. And that's why I think it's a lot like jump shooting because there's so much fluidity and movement, but yet it's still so based on the structure of it all. And he, he closed with, I think that is one of the reasons why it translates because I felt like I had so many different shots in my arsenal as a basketball player. And then golf is just a game of shots, too. All right. If, if you will, Baxter, though, right, we're talking about elite athletes, right? And elite athletes have access to the best golf courses in the world, to great instruction, to great equipment. They also happen to be great athletes. So, you know, why is it that three-point shooters, great three-point shooters, which is what you focused on, what makes them different than other athletes? It's interesting because one of the, you know, when I started talking to people initially, one of the things that they talked about was the mechanics of a shot and of a swing. 
Mm. And the ability, if you have a great shot, to replicate it over and over under any circumstances. So, you know, you imagine a basketball player, you're coming over a screen, or you're, you're all kinds of circumstances, and and being able to read the defense and and still have this this perfect kind of shot from anywhere on the court and and the same kind of uh, uh, rhythm in, in your mechanics and your motion. And they said, you know, having that understanding is going to help in golf because a lot of it is is being able to duplicate that same kind of form, the same kind of mechanics and having it be perfect. And then the concept of kind of aiming in a way, you know, we're talking about right. some of the greatest three-point shooters ever who have, and and look, some of the guys we're mentioning, like Steph, for instance, you know, they're not just like great three-point shooters, but they are great at extreme distances. So you imagine the vision of being able to basically place the ball exactly where you want it from increasingly further and further distances as some of the other guys have done as well. So there, yeah, there's like a number of things that kind of line up that some of the players that, that I had mentioned talked about. After the break, how what happens on the course makes an impact on what happens on the court and will handicap Steph Curry's chances of a new career on the links. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Baxter, did anything stand out for you in terms of the way these guys you talked to, the way they got into golf and stayed hooked? It was interesting in talking to some of them about it, how when they described beginning, how simple that they thought 
it was going to be initially. Like I remember talking to uh, Ray Allen, mm. number two on the NBA's uh, all-time list, right behind Steph Curry. He got into it uh, when he was in college. He was invited to a golf tournament and he stepped up to the tee and he's he, he was like, oh, this looks like it's going to be easy. And he actually initially thought that this was kind of going to be boring or not that entertaining, that the game was slow. And he stepped up to hit the ball and he said it didn't go five feet in front of me. And he <laughs> said it was the strangest thing. We've all been there. Yeah, because it seemed so simple. And I think golf does it. You know, golf is like so deceptive. It is so deceptive. <laughs> like you you look and you think I could, you know, like what's so hard about that? You just swing and you just hit it. Like it doesn't seem that complicated. And that was what Ray Allen talked about. And as soon as he like wasn't able to hit it, but five feet in front of him, then it was like, I got to become good at this, mm. you know? And he said, that's what he said. I realized I couldn't do it. And then it became a, a, an obsession. I had to figure out a way to get the ball in the air because I'm like, it can't be that complicated. The ball is just sitting there. It's not even moving. Why can't I hit it? But for Ray Allen, interestingly, as, as you write, it's not just about this passion for the game itself, but the way that it structured his life. He said to me, you know, in many ways, golf saved my life, which you know, certainly made my eyebrows grow up and what he uh, go up. And one of the things that he talked about was how it gave him a regimen, you know, early on when he was playing in Milwaukee and then in Seattle and whatnot, you know, he was playing in tournaments in the off season and things like that. He would build a schedule around golf. So he said, I would, I would go to bed early knowing that I had mm. an early tea time the next day. I wasn't staying out late. I wasn't getting in any kind of trouble. I was instead, you know, very focused wasn't aimless. He said, if I would have been out late, you know, I would have been doing God knows what. Um, but he also said that golf kind of gave him some solitude. Um, it was a place where he could get away, get some sunshine, be in nature. It was an escape for him. And, it, you know, at times, if he was in a in a shooting slump, so to speak, which uh, obviously you look at the numbers, it's like, was Ray Allen ever in a shooting slump? But he said he could go and get away from the game be on the course. And, you know, you're still competing while you're there. So that part of your mind would still be working and you'd come back refreshed. Every player I talked to, by the way, mentioned this. Hmm. They all mentioned how golf was a way for them to get away from the court, get away from the immense pressures. They can compete. And they're not only, you know, they're competing against themselves. They're, they're playing against other people. They're competing against the course. They're competing against the elements. So it still is able to scratch that itch, so to speak. So who is... Among these guys that you talk to, the guys who are really into golf, who is the Tiger Woods, the Jack Nicklaus, the Ben Hogan? The guy that everybody talks about is Steph. Now, he's a scratch golfer. He's played a lot of tournaments. He's got one coming up. I think it's Capital One's the match where he's going to team up with Clay Thompson. And by the way, that twosome, you talk about three-point shooting firepower on the golf course. That's, that's tough to beat. But all the guys who have talked about him being long off the tee, short game being great, they also have talked about, I thought this was really interesting. So Steph on the basketball court is an incredibly creative three-point shooter. And talking to people at the Warriors, one of the things that they mentioned with respect to Steph at golf is that he's the same way on the golf course. Like he, you know, regardless of where the ball lands, whatever the kind of situation it is, how, dip, how challenging it might be, to play from that particular area, he has like the imagination and the creativity to believe that he can do it. And that's more than people talking about it. I mean, we've seen it. That chip. Oh, 
Oh, the 97-yard chip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. During yeah. the American Century Championship. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. that during chip. The- Steph Curry's found the fairway. And you look at the shot, you look at the backspin that was on it. That's a four-pointer right there. It's not a three-pointer. Wow. And it's interesting. That's one that people bring up where people say, you know, Steph could do this, like, afterwards. He, if he wants to. Come, all right. He, let, let, me, let me just be skeptical for a moment. I feel like we always hear that. When somebody's a great golfer and... They're from another sport. We always say, oh, Michael Jordan could be a pro or, oh, Brett Favre could be a pro if he wanted to one day. But I mean, those guys are so good, the professional golfers. Who's saying that? Are those people who really know what they're talking about? It's more people in in the sport of basketball. Although I think I've read some chatter before where people have said, you know, like if he really, if he works at it, commits the time mm. and all these things afterwards, like that he does have a lot of the natural ability and obviously the drive. But I asked him about this, um, you know, could we ever see you on tour? Like after, you know, would you ever go pro more or less in another sport after you retire? And, and he said to me, I know for sure I will not pursue a typical PGA card or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he talked about how he understands how much of a commitment that it is and how hard it is. And, and more or less, he said, look, I put my family through a lot. I put the people around me through a lot. They've had to deal with all this. You know, m- me being constantly away. I don't know that that's something that I want to do for them again. But he acknowledged in a very respectful way how challenging that this is. He had such reverence and respect for the pros, for everything that they put in to achieve the success that they've had and what it takes to be at that level. But obviously, we're going to keep seeing him being charity events where he's going to play great, hit, you know, amazing shots and all kinds of that. And and that chatter probably won't die down anytime soon about him, you know, transitioning into it as a pro at some point after his NBA career is over. And I feel like sometimes I'm playing too much golf, but sometimes I feel like I'm not playing enough. It's a pretty uh, special bond in terms of the basketball players who who love golf. That group is growing by the year. There's a lot more people picking up the game. Something that I, I want to mention, too, because when I sat down with him later on, he said, you know, you get the non-shooters who get a golf club in their hand. It's not pretty. He said, there's always room for improvement, but I do think you need to get a head start based on the inherent skills of being able to have touch and feel. Baxter Holmes, thank you. Yeah, now I know you've done NBA players obsessed with wine, obsessed with golf. What's next? I, I have no idea. This one came out of left field. You know, I again it was. Just oh, so a, it's going to be baseball? Maybe I don't. I have I have no idea. I'm appreciative that Andre Iguodala kind of mentioned this offhanded because it took me down this rabbit hole, which is kind of my beat. I I tend to go down rabbit holes. Well, we'll follow you, Baxter, down any and all of them. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm Jeremy Schaap. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.